Welcome to Mary Liar Talks, a podcast that discusses mental health and spiritual well-being. Before we jump in, there may be episodes that are particularly sensitive for some listeners. And if that applies, then I hope you'll be able to join me whenever you feel ready and able. My guest today is Deacon Joe Ferrari, and it's all about procrastination. Deacon Joe is also a professor of psychology at DePaul University in Chicago, and he's author of Still Procrastinating, The No Regrets Guide to Getting It Done. So we started off discussing the difference between procrastinating and being a procrastinator. Let's join in the conversation. In your research, you mentioned about how everyone procrastinates, but not everyone is a procrastinator. So tell me about that. That What's procrastination and what isn't it? Sure. That's a quote. Uh, I, I said that a number of years ago, because everybody might delay or wait or ponder, but not everyone is a chronic procrastinator. This is something that people misunderstand. They think procrastination is laziness or poor time Mm. management or a variety of other things, and it's not. And that's 20% of adult men and women, individuals who make this their maladaptive lifestyle. 20% is a lot of people. Um, It is. Yeah, that's a significant statistic. Yeah, it's higher than depression, phobias, panic attack, higher than alcoholism or substance abuse. And my interest since the 1980s, um, has been on the study of these chronic procrastinators. So tell us more about these chronic procrastinators. Procrastination is an active avoidance strategy. It's something people do uh, that is irrational, that makes no sense. So, So then why do people procrastinate if it doesn't make sense? It's almost like a self sabotaging kind of strategy. Why do people procrastinate? Yes, it is a self-sabotaging. Because if I never finish, I can never fail. And if I never fail, I can always hold on to a belief that I'm capable, I'm good, I'm skilled. We'll never know because I never finished, but I can tell you that I am. You see, chronic procrastinators, that 20%, that people who are the procrastinator, they um, would rather have other people think they lacked effort than lacking ability. If I finish something and the task isn't very well, done very well, then you're going to think less of me. Yes, if I delay, you'll think less of me, but my ability is not being challenged. It's not being uh, publicly shamed, if you would, publicly verified or publicly assessed. So I'd rather you think I didn't try than I can't mm-hmm. do it, all right? Mm-hmm. So fear of failure, but even fear of success. You know, your question, why then people do it? Boy, that's a broad topic. And I tried to explain that in my book, uh, Still Procrastinating, uh, because this is not time delay. To tell the chronic procrastinator, just do it, would be like saying to a clinically depressed person, cheer up. Well, that's not going to work. There's far more to this. It's not a time management issue. It's not a uh, laziness issue because the chronic procrastinator is not lazy. They're working very hard doing other things. So the fact that these, let's just say 20% 20 of the, is this the global population? Yes, and this is not just people you would find in the U.S., um, because when I've done my studies, I've done this internationally. It almost sounds like human beings, some people, are born 
this way and they're not born this way. Because mm-hmm. it's so global, it almost sounds like, well, isn't that just a human trait? People, something people do. Well, no, because 80% of people don't do it. Okay, so those 20%, which is um, significant, like I mentioned, why is it not such a topical issue and why is it overlooked? It it has become. When I began starting this in the late 80s, 88, 89, there was no research on it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm seeing more and more. So people are beginning to become more uh, interested in this topic. Some people still confuse, remember your opening statement, that everybody procrastinates, but not everyone will procrastinate. Yeah. People still confuse that because they they look at academic procrastination. Uh, well, yeah, students delay 70% of them. But I said 20% are chronic. Does that mean as we get older, we do it less? No, no, no. We're talking about two different things. Clearly, the 70% includes the 20. Students may delay studying, reading, writing a paper, but they won't delay if there's a party. They won't delay if there's free beer. They won't sure. delay if, you know, there's yeah. a concert uh, for somebody they want to really, really see. So they're not procrastinators. They procrastinate. It goes back to that original statement before. So why then yeah. is this so common and so treated trivially? I don't know if that's the right word, but, yeah. you know, why isn't it taken seriously enough? Because they're great excuse makers. Because mm-hmm. the chronic procrastinator, that 20%, always has a reason. What we found in my studies is logically they're equally as in, as intelligent as the non-procrastinator, and you got to be to keep coming up with plausible, believable excuses. The mm-hmm. problem is they never take the ownership. Now, this is really interesting because mm-hmm. their chronic procrastinators are looking to be ver- um, verified that it's okay to do it. Now people are beginning to talk about the positive parts of procrastination, that it's there good is. To procrastinate. I've seen some recent studies on that. And I'm like, no, you're not talking about procrastination anymore. Right. Because, yeah, that doesn't make sense. They, they yeah. call it things like structured procrastinating. Take your tasks and organize it. Well, obviously, if I've got a list of things to do, the ones on the bottom of the list are going to be delayed. But that's not procrastinating because I'm working on my list. The yeah. real procrastinator never works on that list, does one or two and stops and then reshuffles it and makes copies of it. So there's no, nothing positive. This is a maladaptive lifestyle. And it, it's something that our cultures, Western cultures at least, are seem to be accepting. There can be a lot of consequences for someone that is a chronic procrastinator. So let's just use the workplace as an example. So if someone has a a project and they well they've they've put off doing that project um yeah they can come up with an excuse why it's late in terms of the delivery or they can come up with an excuse why it's maybe not the standard that it should on delivery because they haven't put as much effort within a reasonable time so the impact on the individual as well as the impact for example in an organization there's quite a bit of consequences um, when it comes to someone who is a chronic procrastinator? Yes, there was uh, a number of, of studies. Be- uh, this is the field of IO psychology and consumer psychology. Okay. This is the research of industrial organizational psychologists. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not an IO psychologist, but I have dabbled in that. I teach doctoral students, and sometimes I have these IO doctoral students from my department. Anyway, the point is, yes, there's implications. A number, a study was done a long time ago, not by me, that found that it's cost, uh, this was done actually, 
I want to say almost 10 years ago, but it cost 10,000 US dollars per employee per year that's, that's lost because of procrastination. So if you've got 40 people in your company, 20 people in your company, you've lost $200,000, right? Or $400,000 just because people procrastinated. That, that's the implications for a company, all right? Uh, what, what procrastinators don't understand in the workplace or in life is that life is not about me. It's about other people. And so if you asked me to do something and you gave me two or three weeks to do it, and that's a reasonable time to do it, yeah. What if you asked me at the last minute? That's different. But if you gave me sufficient time to work on something and I still don't do it, well, then I'm delaying the next person in the yeah. business, yeah. which delays the next person. You see, yeah. and that's not fair. That's not because the world isn't about me. It's about we. They, there was an old expression. If you want something done, give it to a busy person. Well, what does that mean? How can that be? Because the busy person values time, your time their time. So somebody who's very active and busy will get things done because they recognize I've got to be able to juggle what I need and their need and what has to get done. That's why that works. Suppose you're on a team and one of the members is a procrastinator. How do the other members view that person? And what if the other members are also one of them a procrastinator? What we found was procrastinators in the workplace, in life, don't like other procrastinators. Right, yeah. Right. That's very fascinating. So if you're looking for comfort, because you know the old expression, misery loves company, that's not true. They don't like it. They don't like each other. Why? Let me let me take a guess. Let me take a stab. Is that sure. because earlier we were talking about self-sabotaging um, strategies? So it's okay-ish, inverted commas, for someone themselves to choose to sabotage what they're doing but if someone else is is if it's linked to someone else doing it then they won't like it because it's and not, that's true yeah, then yeah. you're sabotaging me as well i see what you're yeah. that's a good point that's a good point. perhaps that, that's certainly a variable um there's a concept in social psychology we call social loafing mm -hmm. it's when you have a group a task in the workplace classroom assignment and sometimes the boss or the teacher might say, I'm going to give one grade for the whole group. I don't care how much people work. I just need one report. I want one thing done. Get it to me. Well, you will have loafing in that. People will loaf because if, if I'm not going to be individually assessed, then I'm going to um, take my time, you yeah, know, and let other people carry the weight for me. Yeah, the procrastinators point? are very good at doing that. So, yeah, um, we don't like them because you're making me carry the weight. But what's fascinating is they're more disliked by their own kind. That's what's interesting. So, so someone who's a procrastinator, they're obviously not going to be happy. They will have a, there'll be that anxiety, that regret um, in terms of their approach. They would want to change. How... How could someone change, as in what would the steps be? Is that covered in your book? Uh, yes, but I also want to say um, I'm not sure that they want to change. If you're in a culture that says, it's okay, we'll give you slack, we don't want you to feel bad about 
who you are. We don't want you to feel bad about other things. Then why should I bother the chair? And I'm a good excuse maker. Remember, human beings are good excuse makers. All right. So if I'm, I've got that angle down and you're willing to give me slack, I'm not sure I want to change because it's never my fault. It's always something else. Do they have regrets? Yes. I found this not only in the U.S. We found this with the Israeli a sample as well, that there are life regrets among chronic procrastinators, things that they missed out. Now, there's a great measure on life regrets. It covers a whole bunch of different domains. And honestly, this was done a number of years ago. I can't remember, but they have regrets in some areas more than others. I believe in relationships, in careers, but in other areas, they don't. So what can I do is what you're asking. If I want to change, if I want to change and I'm one of the 20%, I'm sorry, listener, you need professional help. You need a good cognitive behavior therapist, CBT, because you need to change the way you look at things, cognitive, and the way you act. It's not time management. Let's talk about that. There have been what are called meta-analyses. This is a, a, a research tool scientists sometimes use. It's not a literature review. It's really more than just a review of the literature. But the scientist takes all the literature and puts parts of it into a statistical formula, and it looks to see what works, what doesn't, not just reviewing the literature. All right, So it does an analysis, meta-analysis of all the other studies. Bottom line was the least effective technique to deal with procrastination is time management. That was found in two different meta-analyses papers that were done a few years apart. So I, I can't tell you how many times in the news that, you know, it, the suggestions are time management for the procrastination. It's the least effective. What was most effective? Cognitive behavior therapy. It changing the way people think and the way people act. Because you can't control time. You're, the only thing you manage in your life is yourself. You can't manage time. It's like a stream. Time keeps moving on. There's an expression. You can't control the wind, but you can adjust your sails. You can adjust the way you act. That's why the book is called Still Procrastinating, because all these time management or techniques have not worked. And I go through what they have done and why it doesn't work. And what does the literature show? The true procrastinators who take it to heart begin to realize, you know, you're right. I've got to get on with life. Um, life is too short. I only have 70, 80 years. Let me enjoy it more. So, um, Reverend Joe, what would you like to leave um, the listeners with? That while it sounded like most of what I've said to you is shaming you, making you feel bad about yourself, absolutely not. Flip it. So I want listeners to know, you're not alone. I want listeners to know you learned to be a procrastinator, uh, and therefore you can unlearn. unlearn yeah. It's not genetic. Um, you you know you can change. You know, yeah. and you should. And and that, what do you do when you fail? Do you get up and do you rise again? I love that. So it's about um, it's about giving yourself grace and not being afraid of failing. Um, because if you do, you can always pick yourself up and keep on moving. What you've learned can be unlearned. All right, on that, thank you so much, Reverend Joe, um, for sharing your knowledge and your advice on procrastination. Here's a spiritual wellness tip that you can meditate on. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, and it reads, Now all discipline seems to be painful at the time, Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. 
Thank you for listening. Do follow and join me again next time on Mary Lyre Talks Beyond the Smile.